0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Painting the Corners. We are down to four teams remaining in the Major League Baseball playoffs. We got some championship series action underway. Um, We would have gotten this episode out earlier except for there was uh, some rain issues with the Yankees and the Guardians in that ALDS. But now that that's wrapped up, we can get our championship series preview, and somewhat breakdown of the first couple games in here. So as it stands right now, it's Thursday. Um, The Astros and Yankees are playing, and they have already completed Game 1. Padres and Phillies are off after splitting Games 1 and 2. The Astros beat the Yankees in Game 1. So, yeah, without further ado, let's get right into it.
1: So, as Johnny said, we uh, have gotten a little ways into this championship series round, um, but nothing has happened to the point where it can affect too much of how we feel about the series. I know for me, at least, um, Astros winning game one doesn't change much for me. Kind of expected that and kind of felt like a high likelihood that the Potters and Phillies would split game one and two. So, I'm glad that even though we're getting this out a little bit later, nothing profound has happened. You know, Phillies aren't up to nothing and, you know, the entire Yankees team, you know, didn't burn down in a hotel or something. So, yeah, I don't know how you're feeling about these series so far, but it's definitely two
0: polar opposite matchups. Definitely. And before we get too far into it, let's just really quick break down um, the results of the division series. And uh, what we had predicted. So it was Padres over Dodgers in four, as we both predicted and knew in our hearts would absolutely come true. (laughs) So we're very excited about that. You can probably tell my voice is still a little hoarse. Um, I went to games one and two of the NLCS as well after going to the Dodgers games. Um, But the other NL series. We had the Phillies over the Braves in four, which was pretty shocking to both of us. Uh, We had both picked Braves over Phillies. I think you said in four, and I said in five. So, yeah, Phillies came out swinging. The Braves starting pitching really faltered outside of uh, Kyle Wright. Everybody else had terrible outings. So that was definitely shocking. Phil's coming into the NLCS hot as well. And then on the AL side, we had the Astros – Sweep the Mariners in the least sweepish sweep that you can pretty much imagine. Um, Yeah, two comeback victories and an 18 inning one nothing affair. So that was a wild series for sure. Um, If we had more time, we'd we'd break it down in depth. But yeah, big takeaways are: sorry, Mariners fans, you never still got to see your team score a run at home, (laughs) and. (laughs) Number two, Jordan Alvarez, is insane. Um, And then the last series that we already mentioned, Guardians-Yankees, the only one of the four to go the distance all five games, and then some because there were two rainouts as well. Um, Very, very closely fought series. Yankees came out on top and uh, rocked the baby right in Josh Naylor's face after their Game 5 win.
1: Yeah, they did. And he was a good sport about it, so I'll give Naylor some props there. But, yeah, um, I did have that one predicted as Yankees winning that one, and I know you had the Guardians. So um, overall, bracket-wise, I think you've done a better job, but I I will take the division series round there from you. Um, Yeah,
0: you got that one. I don't think either of us predicted a Mariners upset, but I don't think either of us predicted a sweep either.
1: No, I thought the Mariners would maybe put up a little more fight than they did, but and not that they didn't put up fight, it just they were they were all three extremely winnable games for them. So, again, Mariners fans, luckily this isn't a one and done scenario. You got a lot of years of success, so Absolutely. but it's still it still is tough pill to swallow knowing how close you were to winning all three of those games. It's not like the Astros completely befuddled you guys for, you know, three games. So, um, but yeah, we don't need to spend too much time on that. And, and the Yankees series uh, with the Guardians was really an interesting series because, I mean, how many times did you hear the national media talk about? Well, this is just how the Guardians play their brand of baseball. <laughs> I mean, over and over and over, you hear this, and you know it. It almost worked for them. It, they they almost did come out on top. It just they just didn't really have the the pitching. And when you're going to Savali in Game Five there. That puts you at a pretty significant disadvantage against Nestor Cortez. Kinda yeah. surprised they didn't go Bieber. I understand they're worried about his arm and health and, and you know, I guess that's admirable. But
0: I don't yeah. know, man. Season they, on the
1: line, it's a tough choice. And Bieber was ready to pitch. It's not like he said he wasn't. So at that point I'd leave it up to the individual player if he says he's ready. And a guy who's pitched all year. It's not like he was, you know, hurt for a significant portion of this year. He's not, you know, Shane McClanahan or anything. Thought it was an interesting decision, but needless to say, the two best teams in the American League came out on top
0: and are now battling it out in Houston as we speak. Which is completely the opposite of the story on the other side of the bracket, where the two lowest seeds in the NL made it to the championship series. But hey, that's baseball. I mean, we talked a little bit last episode in the Padres, um, the painting the Padres episode, about all the complaints of this postseason format, and really, I mean, yeah, there's not much to say there. Just five- and seven-game series are always going to be random. You can look at any five-game stretch from the regular season, and those results aren't going to make sense a lot of the time. Dodgers lost three of their last five to the Rockies in the regular season. So, uh, yeah, anything can happen, really. And it's all about about who gets hot at the right time. I mean, I thought of this kind of after that episode – because, you know, all the consternation from especially the L.A. media about, um, well, they, they had said there was an article earlier in the New York or in the L.A. Times of if there was ever a case to just award a regular season championship and not even play the postseason, it would be this year because the Dodgers are that good. And like, I mean, I get their point. They were clearly the best team in the regular season. But that's the point of the postseason. The point of the postseason isn't to identify the best team. That's the point of the regular season. The point of the postseason is to identify who can come up clutch in the big moments.
1: Right. And it's not like this is some profound thing that only baseball has. Like, every sport has a postseason. And maybe not every year as much as you see in baseball, but... There's constantly upsets. I mean, go look at March Madness, college basketball. I, that's just upset central. I don't hear anyone complaining about that, and that's a one-game showdown, right? Like right. You, you put you put Kentucky against 99% of the teams that they've been upset by over the last 20 years in the tournament. You put them in a three-game series. They're gonna win that series probably 99% of the time. So it's just. Like, baseball gives the better teams more chances. And that's why you have these elongated series. Um, you have a longer chance to, you know, have a bad game, have two bad games even, even three bad games. And, and if you're that good, you should be able to rebound. So, yeah, that that point just continues to be ineffective in my mind. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, you know, this is an exciting exciting postseason. This is what you want. You shouldn't want the postseason to be exactly to be just what chalky, it, yeah. Yeah, because it's not the postseason. I mean, the point of the postseason is to get the best teams to all play each other, right? It's not to get the two best regular season teams, and that's the point of every postseason. You get the group of best teams and have them battle it out because record a lot of times is not indicative of who the better team is.
0: Right. Yep. Okay, so let's get into this uh, championship, these championship series here, starting in the NL, as always. And yeah, as you said, I was not surprised by the split in uh, the first two games. Looked like very even pitching matchups for both games. Jarvis and Wheeler, both aces, and Nola and Snell just come in at 1A and 1B, honestly, you know, co-aces as well. Um, definitely, you know, the first game was more how we thought it was was going to be just a two nothing low scoring game. Second game got a little out of hand. Eight to five was the final there, but you know, just in the aggregate, the one, one split is, is pretty expected there. Moving on to game three though, you can see a clear pitching advantage for the Padres with Joe Musgrove against Ranger Suarez. Game four is pretty muddled for both sides. Philly's probably going to go with a modified bullpen game out of uh, Noah Syndergaard. And the Padres are either going to go with Clevenger or Mania, probably, um, or perhaps a combination of them both. And then, of course, games five and six, it'll be back to the one and two starters on regular rest. And game seven will be... Probably a matchup, a rematch of Game Three with both starters on short rest. Although the Phillies might get creative uh, with some of their bullpen slash long relief slash uh, swingman options, Kyle Gibson, uh, Bailey Falter, etc., might see them in Game Seven if it gets that far. <clears throat> yeah, and so you kind of look at all those pitching matchups
1: holistically, and. I don't think it's crazy to say the Padres have an advantage. And especially if you get to a Game 7, I think the Padres have an advantage. It's more so that the depth in the bullpen for me. I think they have a starter's advantage in a five-game series, which is essentially what this has become at this point. Um, but it's not a significant enough advantage to where I'm like, well, you know, the Padres can easily win the series. But bullpen-wise, and, and the Phillies kind of got exposed with this yesterday, you know, they are just not deep besides their top two guys, and Jose Alvarado and Sir Anthony Dominguez. You know, they, Brad Hand did not look good. Uh, David Robertson, who they added to this uh, roster f- after he didn't play in the first two series, didn't look terrible, but didn't look good. And Manny took him 420 um, over the left center field wall. It, you know, there's no one in that pen that scares me. They even went to Kyle Gibson to try to keep the game close, which, you know, interesting decision because we have an off day today why not go to sir anthony or alvarado in those situations instead of hand or gibson make sure the game stays close uh in case your offense does strike a little bit of a comeback but that's not the route the phillies went and you know to the padres benefit they kind of took advantage of that and you look at this padres bullpen that has been so utterly dominant um headlined by a hater doing historical things robert suarez looking unhittable for the most part, you know, uh, pounding the zone. You know, Nick Martinez has been great, but we're not even talking about four or five guys who all had sub four, sub three and a half year raises this year that have all pitched a couple innings this postseason and maybe have allowed one earned run combined. So the depth that the Padres have in their bullpen is what, can really be a difference maker in a seven game series against a Phillies team that that's their biggest hole.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we're focusing on the pitching. I would say the Phillies have a lineup advantage and I think that's pretty uh, objective, but pitching, we've seen this, you know, forever for as long as there has been baseball playoffs, pitching and defense comes through um, at the end. And Yeah, having the better pitching matchups is just more important than having the better hitters. Um, And it's not a huge advantage for for the Phillies. Harper, like I don't even know if we've gotten him out once this series. Um, And Schwarber obviously hit that 5 million foot home run to the second deck, which honestly, I'm still not over that. I think that's the first ball that's ever went to the second deck. When I was at the home run derby, and nobody touched the second deck there in right field. So that was – pretty uh pretty amazing but you know Hoskins Real Muto eh, I mean they scare me but not nearly as much as Harper and then besides that there's just not really much of a big threat you know they can all hit like they can all get momentum going as a whole you know it's like a single double single walk double single you know but there's not really anyone at the bottom of the order that's going to deliver that huge blow. Um, of course, I say that, and Brandon Marsh can hit a grand slam on Friday. But, <laughs> um, And obviously the same can be said about the Padres lineup, Trent Grisham notwithstanding. There's not really that threat at the bottom of the order either. But having that bullpen that just came off a series against the Dodgers in which they allowed one run, or two runs, maybe, all series. Um, it's just they have all the confidence in the world, whereas the Phillies' pen, you can tell that manager Rob Thompson really only has that confidence in Dominguez and Alvarado. Um, and you can also tell that he's trying to save them because he puts in hand in a 4-4 game with two runners in scoring position in the fifth inning because he doesn't want to extend his High leverage relievers, uh, even with the off day, because he knows there's potential for five games in a row, starting Friday through Tuesday. Um, so yeah, I mean it's uh, it's an interesting matchup for sure. Uh, interesting to see that that bullpen kind of machinations Yeah, and I would even you know
1: th- it seems pretty universally that. Everyone says the Phillies' offense is deeper, better than the Padres. doesn't seem to be a doubt. But if you're looking statistically this postseason, the Padres' offense has been better than the Phillies' offense. Batting average um, and OPS have both been better. So, yes, I think on paper I look at the Phillies' offense and I'm like, that's definitely scarier. But the Padres' offense out of the four remaining teams has been the most has the highest batting average and second highest OPS behind the Astros. So it's not like the Padres offense has just been getting situational hits here and there to win games. They've been hitting. Um, and so, you know, I I just say this. If Drury, Bell, and Myers, if one of those three guys is hitting, mm-hmm. I give the Padres an equal lineup. Because right now, Austin Nola in the 9-hole is being a phenomenal 9-hole hitter. Uh, Grisham still seems like a threat at the plate at this point, though he's cooled off a little bit statistically. The eye test still, to me, he still looks pretty good. Um, I don't know. Because I'm looking... We we were at Game 1, and we talked about this, Johnny and I. There was so much talk about the bottom half of this Phillies lineup being so deep. And... You know, I'm not trying to, you know, be some old head, but their batting averages were not scary, and it's not like they hit home runs,
0: so, yeah, I don't know, I I just don't think they're as scary. Yeah, I mean that that bottom of the order platoon, it's basically um, Sosa and Veerling against lefties, and Marsh and Stott against righties. That doesn't really scare me. Marsh is probably the most Uh, threatening, I guess, of those four, but he's not, um, you know, a consistent hitter yet at the big league level. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think I, as a Padres fan, I feel good about this series at this point. Um, Going to Philly doesn't scare me. I know the fans will be super into it, and I'm not trying to slight the Phillies fans anyway, but the simple fact is the Padres played better on the road this season. Then at home, especially on the offensive side, they scored nearly five runs per game on the road. Um, and I always have confidence in the pitching. And I think the offense is hot right now. They're going on the road, which they seem to like. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm i still... I don't know. I guess I'm a little bit more confident after the 1-1 split than I was at the outset, uh, but not by much. Yeah, I would... Kind of second exactly
1: what you said, you know. We are Potter's fans, but I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a Phillies fan here, and, and kind of thinking like, what is the key for us to win this series as a Philadelphia Phillies? And the reality is, the key for us is to let our starters or to have our starters go deep into ball games. I think if their starting pitchers right. can get them into the sixth. Go six innings, all all of them, and you know you can have one off night. But if the majority of their starters go six innings, and their offense continues to do what it's been doing, whether or not they you know bloop or bleed to death or are hitting balls five hundred feet, if they continue to do what they're doing, if I'm a Phillies fan, if I can hand the ball over to Alvarado and Dominguez um, without having to use more than one other guy, Max, I like our odds in this series. But that's the right. tough thing. Can we do that? Can Wheeler do that again? Can Nola bounce back? Um, and then the biggest question marks are obviously the next two games. Ranger Suarez has a low array, but he has been walking on a tightrope throughout this postseason. I mean, he has gotten out of multiple, multiple and bases. And literally walking, too. Yeah. I mean, and, and you look at a Braves team that's, that's a very good offensive team. This Padres team is one of the best teams in baseball at walking. So... That's another reason you know he gets a little advantage if you're the Padres, Um, but yeah, if I'm a Phillies fan, I'm not, I'm not feeling super confident because Game Three is extremely important to get. If you look historically in Major League Baseball, I think it's something like seventy or seventy-five percent of teams who win Game Three after splitting the first two games go on to win the series. So, big game. For sure. And if I'm a Phillies fan, you really got to need your big guys to to show up. You need Harper to continue slugging because if for whatever reason, Harper gets cold, I just don't like my shot this series.
0: Yeah. I think that's a a pretty good summary. Um, You definitely, you have confidence in Wheeler to go deep into the game. You have confidence probably in Nola, although he's, you know, looked shaky, obviously in that last start. Um, but yeah, Suarez is a big question mark. If he can take you deep into the game tomorrow, then you got to like your chances if you're a Phillies fan. But obviously uh, a big question mark there. So, let's move over to the AL now. Astros and Yankees, one nothing Astros advantage. Let's check in on the score right now. It was scoreless last I checked.
1: Yeah, it's still scoreless here in the 3rd inning. I think we might be heading into the top of the 4th. No, sorry, bottom of the third, actually. We're scoreless. Um, Both teams, one hit
0: apiece. Not not much going on in
1: this one so far.
0: No, and this is uh, Severino versus Fromber Valdez after a game one matchup of Verlander versus Tyone. And I got to say, just like the Padres-Dodgers series, that first game was clearly the least winnable for the, uh, the Yankees with Tyone against Verlander. Um, Verlander notwithstanding that kind of blow up he had against the Mariners has been an outstanding pitcher for his entire career and this year especially. So, you know, to lose that game in somewhat competitive fashion 4-2 to two, uh, isn't the worst thing in the world for the Yankees. Really need to step back up with a win tonight behind Severino though and he looks good to start, to start the night. Um, but yeah, losing the first two on the road is... Uh, pretty much a recipe for a short series there for the Yankees yeah and I really just don't like this pitching matchup for the Yankees
1: you look at uh excuse me Framer Valdez who's on the bump tonight um the Yankees do a really good job of elevating the ball and hitting home runs the judges the Stantons um you know the Carpenters before he got screwed by the team and didn't act you know the Yankees have made some questionable decisions but Framer Valdez is the only starting pitcher to average negative launch angle since the start of last season. So this is a guy who matches up very well against the Yankees. But I also add that the roof is open tonight in Houston. While that may not seem crazily significant, Framer Valdez's ERA at home when the roof is open versus the roof is closed is fairly significant difference. When the roof is closed, his ERA balloons to a total of a 337 But when he's at home and that roof is open, he has a two-flat ERA. Severino's Mm going to have to pitch a phenomenal game tonight, and that's what I saw a lot of Yankees fans kind of begging for. They said this is where Severino needs to have his Yankees moment this year. Um, And I would have to agree because if they don't get to Framer Valdez, which I don't see happening, they better knock him out of the game. But then this, I mean, the Astros bullpen, is just full of guys with, like, sub-two ERAs. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of pressure to put on your starter, but, you know, he's, when healthy, a frontline pitcher, and he seems to be healthy right now. He didn't make too many appearances in the regular season, but seems to be on the right track in the second half. And he's got that strikeout stuff, um, which, obviously, Tyone did not have last night. didn't strike anybody out against the Astros. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a lot. I mean, I wouldn't say it's completely impossible for them to win if Severino doesn't dominate, but Valdez will pretty much always keep you in the game. That's what he's known for. He might not go seven scoreless, but he'll give you a quality start basically every time out. He had like 26 in a row this season. So, um, yeah, the Yankees are hoping that some of their ground balls and line drives find gaps and find holes because they're probably not going to hit home runs off of Valdez. Um, granted, Harrison Bader does look like the second coming of Barry Bonds this postseason, so normal rules may not apply to him.
1: Yeah, he's he's been something, huh? Uh, I, I know when that trade happened, we, uh, Johnny and I were talking about it, and I know we talked about it on pause, on the podcast, it was a very confusing trade at the time for the Yankees to get rid of Jordan Montgomery. Oh, yeah. who would have probably pitched last night, um, and you know, not sure if that would have made a difference or not. The Yankees' offense just didn't simply do enough. But you know, it is it is interesting now that the Cardinals have been bounced. And correct me if I'm wrong. I don't even think Montgomery touched the mound in that series. And now you look at the. Yankees and Bader has been a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs and now they get him again for next year whereas Montgomery I believe is a free agent now so you know definitely a trade that we were scratching our heads out and a lot of people were but it looks like it kind of panned out for the Yankees
0: yeah I mean and you can never really tell you know what would Montgomery have done if he stayed in New York but that is the situation that we predicted at the deadline was, okay, you got Montas, but now you gave up Montgomery, so you're back in the position of giving Severino and Tyone important starts in the postseason, whereas if you had both of Montgomery and Montas, you could kind of pick and choose between Severino and Tyone. But, yeah, I mean, if Bader just hits a home run every time he goes up there, it's kind of a moot point. Yeah, no, exactly. So, you know, I think this
1: series is probably what a lot of people predicted going into the season. You know, I know a lot of people predicted White Sox would probably be at this point, but I'm, you know, I feel like this was a highly predictable series. And, you know, I just hope it lives up to the height. And biasly, as a Padres fan, you want this to go seven innings. Because if the Padres do make the World Series, you want these guys to use as much pitching and to get their starters out of line as much as possible. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking just the more and more I, I, this is more of a gut feeling because I feel like the Yankees have the ability to win this series that I just feel like the Astros are dominant right now. And I just don't see the Yankees winning this series. And you know, the sole fact is that the Astros are just good at every single thing that they do. There's too many holes on this Yankees team for
0: me. Yeah. I mean, that would be definitely the, uh, Rational pick, which is why probably the Yankees will win. Um, right. One more quick note on Montgomery. He did pitch in game two. He came in in the fifth inning, pitched two and two-thirds innings. Um, but, yeah, by that point, series was pretty much over. So, yeah, Yankees-Astros. Um, yeah, Astros well, clearly have the better team and are playing better right now. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just – I. There's
1: a reason I'm asking you this, so just trust me. Can I get your prediction on this series real quick? Who you think's going to win? The Astros-Yankees series? Yeah, and I'll tell you why I'm asking you right now in a second. But What, did Bader just hit a home run? I'll tell you why in a second, but I need your prediction <laughs> before I tell you what just happened. Uh, yeah, I had the Astros winning this. Okay, because Alex Bregman just hit a three-run homer and it's 3 nothing Astros in the third. Ouch yeah that's a big out, especially with Valdez on the mound who's already doing doing a job and a half. so um yeah, that's tough. That's really tough if you're the uh, if you're the Yankees there.
0: yeah, I mean, you know we say all this stuff about oh uh, you can't go down 2 nothing, but you see teams come back from down 2 in a seven game series. It's not that uncommon. Um, the Astros, well, they didn't win the series, but they got down two nothing to the um, to the Nationals at home in 2019 in the World Series. Came back to win all three on the road and take a three two lead, and then of course they lost the next two at home to lose the World Series. But it's not a complete death sentence to go down two nothing. Obviously, your odds are pretty low, but it's it's been done for sure. Yeah, and especially with the Yankees.
1: You know they're going to be able to now throw Cole, and uh, they're going to be able to throw Cole and Nasty Nestor Cortez. So that obviously gives them a much higher probability of winning, especially now that they go on at home. And so now they got, if I'm not mistaken, they got Cole lined up to um, to face. So they got Cole and Nestor that are going to now face the Astros. McCullers, yeah, Astros three and four guys. So that's McCullers and Garcia probably. Right, so let's just assume that the Yankees don't come back in this game for the sake of what we're talking about. Down 2-0. I'm not feeling super unconfident that we can't come back and make it a 2-2 series, and at that point, okay, here it's we 20s go. Ball game. Yeah. Right, so you know, Yankees fans obviously hoping they can come back in this one. Uh, that'd be some. It would be a pretty exciting comeback, to say the least, if they're able to get to Framer or this bullpen and, and put up more than three runs, which isn't impossible but it would be it seems like an uphill battle early on but this is not the series is not over no matter what happens in this game uh the the yankees one two punch is
0: really really good and it's scary no matter who you're facing absolutely yeah and obviously mccullers and uh, garcia combined to allow no runs over i think 12 of the 18 innings in that game three against the Mariners. So they're rolling as well, but yeah, I, mean, I think anyone would take Cole and Cortez over McCullers and Garcia, not by much, but by a, by a noticeable margin. Um, as for this game, 3 nothing. it seems tough on paper against Valdez and the Astros, but hey, this has been a postseason of, of huge comebacks. The Mariners kicked it off with that insane comeback in game one of the wild card series in toronto or game two i should say the wild card series in toronto but padres also had two had a three-run comeback and a four-run comeback the phillies uh did they come back in that Braves series i think they kind of did they they jumped on them in that one game they jumped on them in
1: this other game i don't know if they ever had to come back
0: i could be wrong on
1: that
0: yeah they they really did dominate that series yeah, well, and then the Astros had a big comeback against the Mariners in Game 1 of their AFES. Right. And technically in so. Game 2, not a big comeback, but they were playing from behind one most that comeback. game. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So, yeah, I mean, like you said, this is, this is what makes the postseason so fun, is just that aspect of, yes, you can be up 3 nothing. It's not a comfortable lead. I mean, the Blue Jays could be up by 7. That's not a comfortable lead. It's... You can never measure the pressure, the Mm -hmm. excitement, the energy. All that stuff is unmeasurable. So that's why the postseason is so fun. And I would argue it's more fun in baseball than it is in football and in the NBA as well. NBA does have good atmospheres. But, I mean, you can't match the number of fans that you do at a baseball game. There's no stadium that can match the number of fans you can at a baseball game. Besides a NFL or college football game and the NFL playoff games are all corporate run. There's no, the fans (laughs) are just not there. So you can't compare it to major league baseball playoffs
0: in my opinion. There's just nothing like it. Yeah. And I mean, this is just the all time argument about baseball and it's superiority to other sports, but you can't run out the clock. You've got to throw the ball over the plate and give the other team their chance. Yeah, no, it's so true. So, Um, yeah, I I
1: think this postseason as a whole going forward, I could see it being one of those scenarios where the Phillies or the Padres, one of those teams goes on and let's say they dominate these next three games and then the next, you know, and they get their rotation lined up, they're all healthy. And let's say the Yankees and the Astros end up having to play seven. Let's say this goes seven and it's just a, a bloodbath and, you know, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of times where we've seen this in the past where the best team doesn't win in the World Series. And a lot mm-hmm. of the argument is, oh, well, they just played their World Series in the in the AL Championship Series, or the NL Championship Series. And they had to run everything they had. And now they're playing a team that didn't have to try as hard and they're locked and loaded. So it'd be interesting to see if that happens. I kind of don't think that will happen. I I think both these series have the potential to go somewhat deep, but it'll be interesting to see if the Padres or Phillies, because both of those teams, whoever wins that series, is going to be major underdogs versus the Astros or the
0: Yankees. Yes, yes, and I mean more so against the Astros, but yes, Um, the Yankees had 99 wins. Neither the Phillies nor the Padres eclipsed 90, so. However well they may be playing, the odds uh, will reflect those regular season records for sure. I will say, um, if the Yankees do beat the Astros, then we will get a World Series rematch, either of 1998 with the Padres or 2009 with the Phillies. So that's a kind of secondary storyline. If the Astros win, I'm not sure if the Phillies ever played the Astros when they were in the National League, but I know the Padres did in the 98 division series.
1: Yeah. And so the Padres are going to relive some sort of series. If they do end up winning this, they're reliving something Um, though. They, um, if they have to play the Yankees, I have a feeling this, the vibe going into the series will be a lot different than the 98 series, because I feel like this Padres team compared to this Yankees team is a lot better than
0: that 98 season. Yeah, I mean that the 98 Yankees got to be one of the top 10 teams of the past 50 years. Um and the 98 Padres were were pretty dang good too. They won 98 games. Um which is more than people kind of I think think of them as probably because they got swept in the World Series, but yeah, I don't know. All four of these series should be really entertaining. The Astros would be favorited heavily. The Yankees would be favorited slightly less heavily. But both of the NL teams are, A, you know, hot right now. Obviously, you kind of can't be here if you're, if you're not. But kind of more importantly, they're playing on house money. Neither, nobody expected either of these teams to be here. And they both have kind of, like, exercised their demons. Padres beat the Dodgers. The Phillies beat the Braves. And they're just kind of flowing on good vibes. And that will really only increase when one of them wins the the pennant. Right. So, yeah, it's going to be
1: exciting. Um, You know, I know for me, and if you're ready for this, Johnny, I'm ready to make predictions. Um, All right. Actually, let's start with you. I'm – I feel like we're going to have pretty similar predictions, but I'm curious, kind of, you know, how many games you think each series is going to go? Um, maybe you think there's going to be a storyline or a certain player that comes
0: out top and, and what that World Series matchup is going to be. Well, I mean, I can't pick against the Padres, obviously. You know that. Um, but realistically, I think this series is going to go seven games because... I think the Padres will probably win game three behind Musgrove. I think games five and six will be split Um, because that's just too good of a pitching matchup with uh, Nola and Wheeler against Darvish and Snell again. So I think that series will go to a game seven. Of course, I hope with all my heart that the Padres come out on top. But yeah, that could be... That should be a, a really entertaining series. I don't really have as much faith in the Yankees to make this this series against the Astros as entertaining. Although uh, I'm seeing an yeah. in play runs here. It's, They've uh, already scored one, and it looks like they're going to add on to make it a three to two ball game in the top of the fourth against Houston. Um, still, I, I would say probably Astros in five or six. If you, if you get to a second Garrett Cole start in Game 7, I would feel really confident, actually. Not really confident, but I would feel like they have a real a legit shot. But with Cole only pitching once in this series, probably, um, that doesn't really give me much faith in the rest of the Yankees pitchers to, to do what needs to be done against this Astros lineup.
1: Yeah, I think that's fairly fair to say. I think for me, when you look at the National League matchup here, Obviously, I'm not going to pick against my Padres. I'm actually going to say Padres in six. I think they're going to clinch on that home game. Um, I have them taking these next two games in Philadelphia, losing the Wheeler game, and then clinching the Nola game. Uh, I just feel like they have the pitching and they have the road offense that is just scary. And even if they don't win... Even if they split these next two games, then I think they're gonna beat the Wheeler game. I just think they're gonna take two of three here in in Philadelphia. Um, so for me, Padres and six. Hopefully, I'm not being too fanboyish, but I don't think that's quite ridiculous. Um, as for the American League, I think this has the potential to be a great series, and I think this is gonna go all seven. And I do think the Astros mm. come on top, but. I think that the Yankees just have a little bit of that excitement late in games that a lot of teams seem to have when they play deep in the postseason. They led the league in walk-offs this year, and I'm not necessarily going out to call a a walk-off, but I will say this. They have proven that they are not a team that quits, and they've proven that they're a team that can slug. And both of these ballparks are bandboxes down the lines. So all you need is Stanton to just touch a ball, or Judge to touch a ball,
0: or Donaldson, or Glyber, or any of these uh, guys. Not Donaldson. Oh, no, well, yeah, he looks stupid right now. Donaldson but. just jumps and thinks he gets a home run and then gets tagged out, rounding
1: first. That would be funny. Wouldn't that be funny? Game seven. He thinks he just hits a go ahead home run in the top of the ninth and hits the top of the ball. He's thrown out at like first or something because he's like doing push ups down the line. Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think the Yankees have a legit shot at winning this series, but I don't think they do. I think the Astros win in seven, which lines up Padres, Astros, which personally, as a Padre fan, is not what I want. I if we're gonna make the World Series, I want the the Yankees. I don't want the Astros.
0: Yeah, I think that's a pretty widely held, uh, sentiment there, the Astros on paper are the best team remaining. Um, but you know, like everyone, they can be beat even if they haven't shown it yet. They're four and this postseason, But as you said, you could have seen them losing all three of those Mariners or any of three of the, any three of any of the three games against the Mariners. Um, that wouldn't have been too shocking. And they probably would have lost two of the first three, if not for Jordan Alvarez. But unfortunately, you can't just ignore him. So, No, and last point I want to make
1: uh, uh, during this podcast. I just want to talk about the Astros hitters right now because it's a very interesting situation. you got Jose Altuve, who has yet to put the ball in play and reach first base this postseason. He's looking <laughs> at an average of zero and an OPS of .087. But then you jump to the next couple of guys. I mean, this lineup is ridiculous. They go, and it, it's kind of it's kind of funny the way the the OPS is lined up. So I'm just going to kind of go down their lineup today, um, which is kind of usually what they've been running out there for the most part. Um, so Altuve's OPS under 100. Then their next hitter, Jeremy Peña's OPS is at 1100. Then you got Yordán at 900, Bregman at a thousand. Then you go Kyle Tucker. He's at 600. Next hitter, Yuli Gurriel, is at 1,100. Then you go Diaz, OPS under 400. But Then you got Chas McCormick, who's quietly one of the best center fielders in baseball now, has a thousand OPS. And then you go to Martin Maldonado, who has a sub 600 OPS. They're an extremely hot and cold lineup, but they have more hot than any team in the postseason, and it's just scary sure. because they slug, and it's not like they're really hitting the ball a lot. They their batting average, I want to say, might is like barely two hundred this postseason. But every hit that they have is going over the fence, and that wins you ball games, right? You put the ball in play, and that's the funny thing too. They haven't struck out a lot, but they're not really getting hits. They're hitting the ball over the fence. Um, they're
0: a scary. Yeah. Team. Well, I mean, I gotta say that eighteen inning game, getting what like six hits over eighteen innings, that'll that'll do wonders Excuse for your batting average. Bit. Yeah, so. that's true. That is true.
1: But, yeah, they're a scary lineup just because they don't strike out. Any team that doesn't strike out is scary uh, yep. because it always gives them a chance to win. You put the ball in play, just like the Padres witnessed in that second inning of game two. You put yep. the ball in play, anything can happen. So, yeah, I don't know. It should be a fun, fun couple of uh, couple of weeks here down the stretch as we, f- we wrap up this season. But I am pretty excited for this uh, as more so than we've ever been as pottery fans, because we've never got a chance to experience this.
0: We've never. Oh yeah. So For sure. And I also get to wear my SD greater than LA shirt in public. Yeah. That Fla- makes it the my Padres win. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because today
1: is the first time I've worn a shirt that was not a Padres shirt since the <laughs> beginning of the postseason. It's literally the first time. <laughs> um, so I thought that was kind of a funny note, but yeah, it's uh. It's been it's been really really exciting, and and for those of you who have a team in the postseason still, or that have had these sort of seasons in the past, you know what it's like. It's pretty surreal knowing you're this close to winning the right. world championship, and especially for fan bases that maybe don't have many or any at all. It's it's quite exciting. Yep. Yep.
0: All right, I think that'll do it here. Anything else you want to? Mention Logan? Uh,
1: I think just the last thing I want to say is go Padres. Come on. That's about it. Let's go, baby. And take down that mural while you're at it. Yeah, stupid murals. Also, boycott watching KSI or KUSI or whatever the heck it's called, Channel 8, San Diego. Boycott
0: them. They're yeah. stupid. Yeah, they cost us game one for sure. Easily. All right. Well, we will see you in uh, about a week. When the championship series wrap up and we will get you all set with a world series preview. So until then, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Rally goose.